0: hello club members i'm kate (laughs) no what do you say you're kate (laughs) that's cute try to pull a little (laughs) switcheroo do i sound like Mm -hmm. you well i don't think so but some of our listeners think so yeah i've had some friends who um who went to listen just in support and they're like it's great but i have no idea which one you are um the one who doesn't like the horror movies uh the quieter one. (gasps) Shut up! <laughs> okay, so for context, guys, this is our mini-episode. So, when we do our mini-episodes, um, they're not our full episodes, as you might have deduced by the name. Basically, with these, we get to do whatever we want and talk about anything horror or, in my case, very tangential to horror. Um, because I think I get enough of that with the, met- with the main That's episodes. True. Okay, so today, we're going to be talking about A Death in the Wilderness. Is that the the title of a book or are we literally talking about someone, something that died in the wilderness? Uh, or talking about someone who died tragically and suddenly in the oh wilderness. Oh my God. In the Rocky Mountains. Jesus, I fucking hate when you're in charge of the mini episodes. It's always dark <laughs> and creepy and depressing. It's always fascinating. And by the end of the episode, you always go, wow, that was really yes, good. <laughs> I guess you're right. I I, I you secretly I like d- it. I'm just I mean bit by bit, as you make me fall in love with horror, I'm gonna make you fall in love with true crime. Creepy. Never. Kicking and screaming, <laughs> you will drag me. Well, okay. Time for you to kick because right. <laughs> so I wanna tell you about a couple. This is Tony Birdalette and Harold Hinthorne. So Tony Bertalette, she's a sharp and sophisticated woman. She's an eye doctor and a surgeon from Jackson, <gasps> Mississippi. Ooh. Holler. Jackson, yeah. Mississippi. Yes. Um thank thank you for that. So <laughs> so she met a man named Harold Hinthorne in 1999. Um she had been previously married. they had actually both been this is, previously this is married. too recent. I don't like it. I don't like it. Normally you're like this took place in the 70s and I'm like yes when there were murderers on every corner. I'm like it was the Great Depression. I know, the, fir- the further the <laughs> further away it is the better I can tolerate it. It's, but 1999. Yeah. Is it 1999? It's a little too close for comfort. Was it 99? Yeah. I don't like that. So let me tell you a little bit more. She had been previously married. Um, her family was excited that she had found somebody else because she had been married previously. And unfortunately, that ended in divorce. Harold had also been previously married. And then his wife had un- unfortunately passed away in a car accident. Hmm. It was nice that these two had had re love. They met on Christian Matchmakers. His the on initial meeting, the brother of Tony described Harold as kind. He would seem to be very romantic with her. And the brother was very... there whenever they first met. No, but this is what the brother was told by oh, the sister. Oh, I, I see, I see. Okay. Basically, his impression was. I mean, it all, was a, was it was a Christian dating app. So like, if the brother went, I would have been like, cool. <laughs> checks out. It was out, a Mississippi out. Christian couple. <laughs> brother came her chaperone so they met and she thought he was kind and romantic and smart they actually got married pretty quickly they got married in a within a year in mississippi so they moved to denver colorado where he had some business connections and there they had a child named Haley. and she had not previously had a child so it was really exciting for her i'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop like sounds lovely sounds lovely so he actually surprised her with a anniversary trip to the wilderness yeah, so, but it was sweet. Harold worked with her coworkers and her staff at where she was practicing to set up this little surprise where she went in to go see a patient and then it was actually him and he said, hey, actually, I I know I've gotten, every, I've gotten all, everything taken off your schedule for the next couple of days. We're going to go on a hike and celebrate our anniversary and it's going to be great. That's cute. Will you tell Nick to do that? To pretend to be like a cat, a fractious cat? I will tell him to do that. I'll tell him to make up the most heinous cat. With the most heinous backstory, and then you go in, and it's just him. Yeah, I want to feel like Mr. Muffins is here. He's seventeen years old. He bites. He's not, not. He's overdue on his rabies vaccine, and his owners don't believe in medications. And he also has explosive diarrhea. So if you could talk about that too, if you, <laughs> that would. <laughs> that's romance for me. But you know, yeah, that's cute. That's cute. Good job, Harold. So this is in 2012. Uh, so they've been married for I'd say 13 years. About. It's a beautiful fall day. They're in the Rocky Mountain National Park for their anniversary hike. About two miles up, Harold leads them off to a little bit of tougher terrain because it has a better view, and they have lunch there. And then at 5.15, unfortunately, Tony has a fall. (gasps) So she was taking a photo near the edge of the cliff and accidentally <gasps> fell over. And Harold almost kind of missed it because he was looking down at his phone reading a text he'd received from his daughter's babysitter about Haley, who's the daughter's soccer team, winning a game. And so he was distracted and then she, he heard a yell and she was gone. Oh, my God. It was particularly unfortunate because it's in a remote section of the park. It has poor cellular service and there's not really any nearby ranger stations. So he called 911 and then he. Wait, did she die? Is she dead? Well, he calls 911. It takes him about 45 minutes to get down to actually where she fell because of the area that they were in. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he, he hikes <gasps> down to assess the situation. He had to move her body and find no. cell phone service to call 911. So that first call... To move her body? That first call was received at 5.54. Like so about her 45 dead body? minutes later. Is she dead at this point? He's not sure. Okay. At 6.16, he sends a text to Tony's brother, Barry. He says that, you know, actually, you know what? I'll... I'll read you exactly what he said to her, had said to Tony at 616. He sends a text to Tony's brother, a man named Barry Bertolette. And you know what? Actually, I'm just going to read what he sends him. Barry dot 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 urgent. Tony is injured in Estes Park. Fall from rock. Critical requested flight for life. EMT Rangers on way. Please come to Denver next flight. Low cell bat. Please return message. Jesus, that is so sad. Yeah, it's awful. This is why I don't like when you're in charge of the mini-episode, Emma. This is exactly what I'm talking about. I'm like, well, oh, I'm going to get attached to someone. Well, bear with me. So EMT arrives at 8 p.m. They examine her body. Unfortunately, she's passed. So the God. fall happened at 5.15. EMT is not able to get there until 8. That's awful. So I want to give a little bit of interesting information. So there's 85 million acres that make up the national park system, and there's actually only 33 special agents nationwide who are responsible for investigating crimes that occur on this public land. What? Why? Isn't that wild? That's stupid. (laughs) So that's stupid. So this understandably gets the attention of of the service, the special agents that are uh, involved in investigating these these occurrences. And right away, there's a number of questions. So Harold told a park ranger that he and Tony had planned, the, planned a hike to this Bear Lake Trail. It's a half-mile paved trail. There's It's handicap accessible. There's no elevation gain. It seems chill. He told the ranger that they then switched to this different trail called Deer Mountain Trail at the last second to avoid some of the crowds and get a better view. By contrast... Deer Mountain is a three-mile hike, climbing 1,200 feet from its tailhead to a 10,200 feet summit. It's a bit of an odd choice. Tony had had actually three knee surgeries, and she had some chronic surgeries, so where she wasn't even actually able to ski. Harold was actually unfamiliar with the park, so it's a bit of an odd choice to go off the this nice Kate and Emma-friendly trail that's paved yeah. and yeah, <laughs> handicap paid. accessible. Yes, a hundred percent. The park rangers are looking into some things, and they find something sort of strange in his car. You want to guess what it was? I'm going to guess it's like rope and a hatchet and a plan that says, I'm bringing my wife to the national park to murder her. So you're one for three. Shut up. Is it rope? There's a map of the park, and it's kind of odd because there's an X that marks the approximate spot where Tony had her fall. What the fuck? Uh, See, uh, here are some more issues. Uh, so after the 911 call he made, he was on the phone with 911. and I'll kind of tell you about that conversation a little bit later. He got off the phone with emergency dispatchers kind of prematurely because his battery was low. He then proceeded to make 22 more calls and send 98 text messages. I'm sorry, with a low battery? There was a fire burning whenever they got to, when when the emergency services finally got to him. Suggesting that he had time to make a fire. Wait, he he made a fire? Wait, yeah, he made a fire. A toasty little fire. He did. He had to keep his toesies warm. Oh my God. Well, he's not sure if his wife is dead or not. He's like getting out Flint. Unfortunately, Tony has passed. They take her body back home. Harold says, you know what? She wanted to be cremated. Okay, Harold. The family says, uh, no, she didn't. She never expressed that. That was not a thing. He says, no, no, no. She wanted to be cremated. We should probably do it in the next couple of days. Tony said that she wanted me to get rid of this evidence quickly. <laughs> in a timely manner. And then, And then in subsequent days, pretty quickly, the local sheriff's office starts getting a bunch of messages and calls from concerned family and friends. Because they think this was not an accident. Wait. So I thought that, wait. So something must have changed... After the hike, because it seems like up until the hike, everyone thought he was this charming, affable dude. So let me add a little bit of clarification to that. Whenever they first met, they were told he was a charming, affable dude. He quickly moves them after they get married from Mississippi to Colorado. He routes all of his home calls, all the calls that go to the house, to his cell phone. Whenever she's talking to friends, she'll say, you know, I prefer to have this conversation when Harold's around. <gasps> what the fuck? She also gets another phone. To talk to her friends on. So she has ladies, two phones. no. No, ladies. No, no. So I think this man was controlling. I think we could safely say. But he's a lovely guy, you know. He's Christian. He has a nonprofit. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's lovable. He's smart. He's witty. You know all of the things she said. Aren't they married for like yeah fifteen years? They have a child. Yeah, they have a child. Mm. Um, remember when I said that he had been previously married, and how she died in a car accident? Yes, yes, you did. When I said car accident, well, you were probably thinking like. You know, like a collision. She fell asleep and hit a tree. What I meant was a car fell on top of her. <gasps> Are you? No, you're No, you're joking. I'm not joking. That's some wily coyote shit. A car fell on top of her? Yeah, you may be wondering, how does that happen? I am wondering that, Emma. So let me tell you a little bit of- about his first wife, Lynn Henthorne. So he was previously married to another sweet, loving, sharp Christian woman named Lynn. There were some other patterns that were concerning to family about her not seeming herself, her seeming like she was being controlled, her seeming on edge all the time. This culminates in 1995, so four years before he got remarried. He's in Colorado. They go for a drive. They're in Colorado. Yep. They're about 30 minutes from their home when Harold thinks that he may have a a flat front passenger tire, so they pull over. This is an area like where, this is going. where in, there's no cell services, there's no houses nearby. The nearest hospital. Are they near b- like a national park? Well, they're in the national park, right? Wait, wait, they were driving through the national park? So they live in Denver, Colorado, which is surrounded by the Rocky Mountains. Oh. I don't hike much. <laughs> and I'm glad I don't, honestly. I know. And I never uh, will. We'll keep you on the, the handy ac- accessible uh, roads. So they pull over, and there's actually a local mechanic, which is really fortunate, happens by, and he asks Harold and Lynn if he can help them. And Harold says, no, we don't need your help. Weird. He then offers to park his car. So he notices that Harold has just like a handheld flashlight. So he offers to park his car and just shine his headlights on the Jeep that they're driving so that Harold can see a little bit better. Again, no. He doesn't want his help. That's fucking weird. So 30 minutes later, Harold flags down a car and tells the occupants of that car that a Jeep had fallen on his wife. Two men who were in this other car help Harold lift Lynn out from under the car. At that time, she was unconscious. The men offer to uh, do CPR, and he says, get away from her. He's yelling at them, don't touch my wife. What the fuck? Despite that, they're like, okay, fuck that, dude. We're giving this woman CPR. And she actually starts breathing again. (gasps) She gets flown out to a hospital and unfortunately dies of her injuries. I'm going to need to know how a car fell on her. Well, this is what Harold told the officers. He said that he actually, all he had in his car was some boat jacks. Neither you nor I are car people, but boat jacks are not for holding up cars, which maybe you and I can probably get behind that despite not being car people. I'm pretty sure that we're supposed to use um, the car jack. Uh, Yeah, that makes sense. makes total sense. Like a boat is different than a car? Just just slightly. Hmm. So his report, he tells him, we had put up the boat jack. We took off the wheel. I dropped some lug nuts. And then I went to go put the tire in the back of the Jeep. It knocked off the boat jack. It didn't hold it up. Apparently, the weight of throwing the tire into the back, like into the um, trunk, dislodged it. That shift in weight. And she must have been reaching under to get those, the lug nuts, and it crushed her. Pretty fucking convenient. Well, and then when this comes to light, after the second death comes to light, 48 Hours gets involved. They look into it. They find out that this was on gravel. Lug nuts don't roll on gravel, so that doesn't really make sense. And then they actually reconstruct this entire thing. And I watch videos of them throwing the tire into the back like really hopping up and down on the back of the car nothing moves it they tried it with like a boat jack yeah okay and then I do want to mention this is just like kind of random but he uh, had collected a shit ton of health insurance on Lynn before she died of life how insurance. random how very very random I almost didn't include it but I just <laughs> thought I might mention it oh my god how did he not get busted the first time oh it was an accident Wait, so insurance was like, yeah, that's fine. The police Apparently, were like, yeah, that's got the fine. got money. No one looked into it too deeply. And then, oh, by the by the way, did I mention to you that he had three life insurance policies on his latest wife, Tony, that to- totaled $4.5 million? No, you didn't mention that. Oh, my bad. So he got $4.5 million? He <laughs> would have. But whenever... These brilliant park system badasses got involved. They said, No, 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 no. None of this makes sense. We're not buying this. So, between their advocacy and the advocacy of all these family and friends who were like, Absolutely fucking not, including Lynn's family, so the first wife's family, who were like, This guy's wacko. This is not, this is not above board. Something's up. They ended up actually being able to take him to court. Some interesting things they found out. Harold had visited the area of Tony's, I say in quotes, fall eight to nine times prior to her what death. What the fuck? Based on cell tower <gasps> information. Oh, not the cell towers. Oh, shit. I know. We're, done we're getting cereal up in here. <laughs> you done goofed. <laughs> you done goofed. They actually brought the emergency service dispatcher, which I thought was so cool, in to testify. So she had previously coached 240 people on doing CPR prior to speaking with Harold. And she had noticed some very weird red flags. One, he wasn't letting her know whenever he completed steps. If you imagine like having a loved uh-huh. one and you're not sure what's going on, you would be constantly reaching back out to, the, to your lifeline, which is the emergency dispatcher saying, how do I fix this? How do I fix it? Okay, I did this. What's the next thing? He never did that. He was never even out of breath. She was confused by the fact, if anyone listening has done CPR, yeah. and I have, CPR is exhausting, that's why you switch out every two minutes. When you're in a hospital and people are doing CPR, you switch. Whenever they do the pulse check, the next person comes on. And by the time you get to the end of that two minutes, you feel like you need to be coded yourself. Yeah, it's a lot. He was never out of breath. I guess he's just really in shape. Uh-huh. Good for her for noticing that. Yeah, I love it. I, I love that so many people were like, uh uh, uh no, sir. and advocated for this woman, when no one had to. Poor Tony. Yeah. So the medical examiner also comes up. He said that she died 20 to 60 minutes after her fall. And she was certainly dead by 615, which is the time that the brother got those texts. like, oh, no, she's fallen. We're going to call for flight for life. So she was probably dead by that time that doesn't line up. No. Also, the medical examiner notes that there were no abrasions, contusions, or interior rib fractures associated with CPR. Yeah. Another note that CPR is not fun. And, it, and if you're doing it right, you very well may break some ribs because the, the point is not to prevent breaking ribs. It's to get that person's heart beating mm-hmm. until you can correct the problem mm-hmm. or beat for them until you can correct the problem. On top of that, she was wearing lipstick and her lipstick wasn't even smudged. Oh, so he did not do mouth to mouth. He most certainly did not do mouth to mouth. Then the FBI came on stand and they said, Oh, let me just let y'all know this man has not worked in 20 years. He has no money of his own and he certainly is not raising money for nonprofits. That's all bullshit. Oh my God. What? He didn't even have a job. He didn't have a job. He literally had letterhead. And was telling people for years. Like his whole thing was about how he, you know, he had all this money and was supporting all these charities. What a great guy. Didn't even have a job. Oh my God, what a fucking maniac. During the time before this court issue, before everything kind of came to an head, after Tony had died, he was being really sweet and taking care of his ex-sister-in-law and helping her with her three daughters. And he had helped her throughout this process. He said, you know what, like you need to take care of your kids just in case something happened to you, like God forbid. And so he helped her get a life insurance policy. They had a falling out because of some weird stuff where she was like, this doesn't seem right. So she she told him, you need to cancel that policy. I'm not comfortable doing stuff through you. I'll figure it out on my own. She came to find out later on he had never canceled the policy. (gasps) It was for him. He was a beneficiary. That's okay. Fool me once, life insurance. But like. (laughs) I know. He was maybe plotting a third death. Did he? The absolute audacity of this man. I know. Oh, my God. Also, you can just like take out a life insurance policy on someone and they don't have to know. So she had signed paperwork, but like she had blindly signed some stuff because she trusted him. He treated her daughters like they were his. He was so loving. She was really close to him. He called her most every day, but things started getting weird and he was like overbearing and it made her uncomfortable. They got in a fight and she. Pulled away from him. Told him to cancel it. He never did. Like, Emma, imagine me and you getting in a fight to the point where you don't want me to have a life insurance policy on you. Like, you would have to really not trust me. Yeah. You would have to think I could do something bad. Yeah, you you can imagine the red flags and the spidey sense that she must have been experiencing to say, I am going to pull away from this man. He's making me very uncomfortable. And that's his sister. That's his sister-in-law. Oh, ew. Worse. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you? Yeah, no, don't trust him. It's very weird. I could say so many other really interesting little things, but I would be here for hours talking about all of the weird little bits and pieces that led up to finally prosecuting this man. But none of that matters because what really matters is how things ended up. They crushed him with a Jeep and then they shoved him off of a cliff. (laughs) I wish. The defense came back. They rested their case without calling any witnesses. They were like, you know what? Yeah, the man's a liar, but a liar's not a killer. And they did make a point where they said you can't, you cannot prove the difference between a fall and a push. There is no way <gasps> to act- actually prove that. Oh my Jesus Christ. Because in the court of law, you have to have the burden of proof if you're the prosecutors. All you have to do is... I.E. Casey Anthony, all you have to do if you're the defense is just give some doubt or say, like, are you willing to put them to death for this in certain situations? You know, you if you can put a smidge of doubt, you tell me that they didn't prosecute Emma, I swear. So on September 21st, 2015, after 10 hours of deliberation, the jury took a vote. Every single hand was raised for him being guilty. Oh, thank God. Emma, I literally would not have let you do another true crime. My little heart. (laughs) My little heart. No, I'm not into true crimes where bad people get off. That's not fun. What is fun was that this little bitch bitched and moaned. First, he was given a mandatory life sentence with no possibility of parole. He said, well, this isn't fair. They can't talk about my previous wife. So a couple of years later, he tried to appeal to the 10th Circuit Court of Appeals. And they said, no, I think it's okay. And they kept it. <laughs> Actually, fuck you. Go back to your cell. <laughs> yeah. And then the next year, he tries to go to the Supreme Court and says, "They denied me. The Court of Appeals denied me. You need to go look at it again. You need to go re-examine that decision." And they said, "Nah, go back to your cell. Go back to your cell, Howard. So Fucking rest Howard. in hell. Is he dead? And bless up to Tony and Lynn. Bless and up. let's not forget them." And let's remember all the warning signs for a man who is controlling. Mm -hmm. And no one thinks they're going to get murdered by their husband. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying any of y'all are going to get murdered by your husband. But just look out for warning signs and look out for them early. I sleep with one eye open with Nick, man. Yeah, Nick's definitely going to murder you. If anyone's going to do it. Nick would get off. Nick has built his entire life towards being a chill man who is not threatening at all. impatient man. Oh, my God. He'd get away with it. Until he snaps. Until he (laughs) snaps. <laughs> <Like snaps. laughs> Until one day he's just had enough. Just enough of my like leaving shit out and not knowing how to boil water. He just snaps. It's just enough is enough. Well okay, you heard it here. If there is a life insurance policy, I did not sign that. So Kate, you did sign one. And I'm the beneficiary. Stop it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I have it right here. I have it right oh, here. <laughs> creepy. Let it be known. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, all you bitches. I know you don't like true crime, but what did you think of that? Awful! It was awful, and I don't like true crime, and it was awful. Tell me that wasn't interesting. It was. It was bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was fascinating. The number of oohs and ahs I got out of you, Missy. I'm gonna take that I when did, I fall asleep tonight. I did tonight. reach from like reach to clutch my pearls a couple of times. But you did. <laughs> I, I saw it. Oh my god! Poor tones. You deserved better, but I'm glad that Harowled, or whatever his name is, is in prison. And that's good. And I just can't get over the fact that Someone could have that much audacity to do it twice try, in random like, remote almost three times. Who drops a car on somebody like I have never heard of that in my life and I don't think it was an accident. I don't think of there's any reason to an believe accident. it was an accident. But like who drops a car on somebody? Psychos. Psychos do that, Emma. And one thing that I didn't even get into was a couple of years earlier, he had drop this like giant ass piece of uh, wood over the side of a deck when they were on vacation when she was downstairs like picking up wood or something. So there had been a near-death experience before. Are you I just kidding I just didn't take the time me? to go into. Yeah. Oh, he tried. Did that come up in court? I don't know if it came up in court. I hope it did, but... I know that jurors, when they talk, whenever they were interviewed later on, they basically said it wasn't just one piece of evidence because a lot of this is circumstantial, but it was the mass amounts of evidence in collection that were just, you, you could not, they were undis- indisputable. You mm-hmm. couldn't deny that load of evidence, circumstantial or not. Boo, I do not like this man. Good job, Jerry. I thought you said Jerry. I'm like, who's Jerry? You might've been on the jury. Jerry the juror. I love Jerry. <laughs> Jerry the juror. <laughs> All right, guys, that's all I have for you today. I hope y'all had a little bit of a kick out of it. Dark, but fascinating, and also some wise lessons in there. And it's so fun to make Kate listen to true crime. It's just so fun. I don't like it. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I <laughs> love watching her get invested as I'm telling the story. And I'm like, I got her. Oh, you're right. I, halfway through, I always forget that I was dragged kicking and screaming. But I'm a get it. I don't like it. <laughs> I'm um, again it. And I just need to add that I wish I could see Kate because she looks like either a pilgrim or a nun right now. No, you're talking about my, my little bonnet. My the little... way her the way yeah, the way her little hair towel is is laid. It's 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 not it's not a towel. It's actually a t-shirt that I wrapped around my head. You look like um remember Anastasia? Yes, I remember Anastasia. Remember the little bat from Anastasia? Emma! <laughs> We loved him. He was our, well, He's not a not for character. his good looks. <laughs> and then I'd geek her, sir. I do look like the bat. Oh, no. You do. No. Well, right. on that note, goodbye, and we'll see you next time. All right, guys. Stay spoopy. Stay spoopy.